Want to bet? Then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond, and March Madness is on deck. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. Or in Ontario, download the app now using the QR code at the bottom of the screen. 19 plus, and please play responsibly. Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Yo, yo, yo. What is up? What is up? What is up, y'all? Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton. It's your boy, Avery Lewis McDougal here at the controls on a... On a... Oh, hang on. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm muted. Uh-oh. One second, gang. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, there <laughs> we go. Sorry, Ken. Oh, I thought it was quiet for a minute there. Dang it, Frankie. <laughs> Bronsicle, a.k.a. Frankie from Goober Nation. Tell me I'm muted when I wasn't muted. <laughs> that threw me off for a second there. I thought, oh, crap, what did I do wrong? Great, thanks, gang. Anyways, like I was saying in the intro here, <laughs> like I was saying, uh, Edmonton falls to Columbus 6-5 in a game in which, first off, first off, everybody, the Edmonton Oilers should not be losing to the Columbus Blue Jackets 6-5. Secondly, you should not be needing seven goals to beat the Columbus Blue Jackets. You should not even be in a spot where you're taking this club to overtime to get a point, which they couldn't even do that. And thirdly, thirdly, you should not be down for nothing to the Blue Jackets in the first place. Granted, yes, this team, Edmonton, did have a great response to come back from being down for nothing. I will give them all that credits. Credit to guys like Warren Fogle, Leon Dreisaitl, Conor McDavid for getting this team back into this game. But you, again... Should not be down to Columbus for nothing. This is the worst team in the league. And they got an early jump on the Oilers early on in this game. Unfortunately, the defensive play was lacking. You weren't getting big saves from Jack Campbell. And that is not good enough. Especially after you come against Pittsburgh and hammer the Penguins on the road 7-2. That absolutely is inexcusable. And Mickinator, yeah, like <laughs> this is a team. If it wasn't for McDavid, <laughs> Frank, <laughs> Frank, you said it, you said it was muted. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. Without McDavid, where would this team be? Without Drysaddle, where would this team be? That is a great question. Where would this team be? They wouldn't be in the playoffs. They would probably be struggling to get a wildcard spot right now. If it wasn't for McDavid and Dreisaitl. And McDavid again, uh, two goals on the verge of 50. <laughs> it's funny. On the verge of 50. Probably going to 
get over 135 points. For the hockey news, I said he would get 122 points, and Tony Ferrari said he would get 134. Some people said Tony had the McDavid mark too high, but even Tony saying McDavid would get 134 might be too low. <laughs> and this is a year in which, again, McDavid on pace for a 130 or more. Drysdale, 100 points on the way. Um, Randy Hopkins, near 30 goal season. Zach Hyman scored on career high goals. You got four guys in this roster who are knocking at the door of 30 goal, 100 point seasons. And you can't beat the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's not good enough. And defensively, once again, we saw lapses from this team that have to be cleaned up. And it shows, once again, that Ken Holland and company cannot be satisfied with what they have going into uh, going into the trade deadline. They have to make a move. They have to do something if they really want to go deep again into the Western Conference playoffs. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And of course, like always, if you enjoy what we do here on the SDPN YouTube and for all of Game Over, please like, subscribe, comment, share, download the podcast. You can find on anywhere podcasts are provided, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. But again, like I mentioned, this is a start in which Edmonton came out flat, gone to penalty trouble early in that first period. Karel Marchenko scores early on, and that start was... We can beat it. We can beat the dead horse down, but again and again and again, matinee games and the starts with this team just are so Jekyll and Hyde. You might get a team that comes up flying. More often than not, you'll get an Oiler team that is still in the hotel, that's still in the bedroom sleeping for an afternoon game. And now we'll start right there. Now we'll start playing back on their heels once again, looking sloppy. Only two or three guys really doing much. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> when this game began. And you have to find a way early on to get on team, especially Columbus. This is a team that will probably be... This is a team that will have, most likely, if things stay the same, Carter Bedard played for them next year. Columbus is tanking. Columbus wants Bedard or a high pick. And they controlled the pace for much of the early game. They did. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. the And that was a point made um, breaking out of the zone well, hitting stretch passes, and just bad passing in their own zone. That was the thing that Robbie Shrimp pointed out on Twitter. Robbie Shrimp had a great tweet pointing out just the struggles on the back end of defensemen and it's basic plays that Orler D-men struggle with consistently, constantly, that has to change. And, I, I'm, you know, Robbie Shrimp is a guy who I follow on Twitter for quite some time. He is a very, very great hockey mind. I'm not sure why Robbie Shrimp isn't on TV somewhere talking hockey. His breakdowns are amazing. But what Robbie Shrimp pointed out on Twitter, just what happened with Cody Cece and just simple simple plays, simple passes, Orler D-men, do not, ex- do not execute on a game-by-game basis. It's infuriating. And it's stuff that 
you have to clean up when you get into a playoff series when you're facing, say, for example, Vegas or Seattle or L.A. or whomever else they might get in that first round. You have to tighten things up. And if you can't make these little, if you can't make these adjustments when you're playing against Columbus or other lower teams, you're not going to be in a good spot when you're playing the big dogs of the Western Conference. And then again, now Edmonton returns home to play the Boston Bruins on Monday night. The Boston Bruins on Monday night, and you want to talk about a test? You want to talk about a team that is a juggernaut? a team that is going to give you a battle, it's the Boston Bruins. At the same time, though, these Edmonton Oilers, at the same time, as much as the Boston Bruins are a scary team in the Eastern Conference, are on pace to set the record for most wins in the regular season. Edmonton gets up for these games against the best team in the, against the, best team in the league. This is a team that has beaten Tampa Bay, beaten Vegas, being the top team in the, in the league before. Being the New York Rangers. But yet struggle against the Anaheims. Against Columbus. It is infuriating. Against Montreal. Lost. Were blown out against Montreal. But these top teams, Edmonton finds way to get up for. And I think it baffles many. I think people watching the stream here. People in the chat room, it is baffling to see lack of consistency against teams that you absolutely have to find a way to get at least, at minimum, one point off of. At least one. You can't leave Columbus like you did today, skating away with nothing. You cannot do that. And I hammer home on almost every time one game over Edmonton. How important these points are with how tight the Western Conference is and has been for this entire year. Oh, two points, three points, a win here and a win there. You're on top of the division. You're on top. Dropping a couple of points here and there, and you're back down to wild card one or wild card two, or you're out. That is how tight things have been over the past um, few months. I know it's great. It's great to outscore your opposition, but you gotta finally keep puck out of your net. And uh, TC, that's a good question. TC, I don't know if there's any true uh, big dogs in the West right now. I don't think there's any juggernaut in the Western Conference. I mean, I would say the West right now is more wide open than it's been in a very long time because Colorado, Colorado is struggling to stay healthy. Colorado's been very up and down. So, I would say the real the real powerhouse of this year, it goes more to the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference scares me more than the West when it comes to a real, real juggernaut. I think everybody should be scared of the Boston Bruins. Yeah, the real top dogs. Yeah, uh, Boston, Carolina... Even Toronto. Toronto is settling things down. Toronto started to figure things out to beat Minnesota. Carolina has won five straight. I think right now there's more fear struck from the Eastern Conference easily in the Western Conference. You look in you look at the Western Conference right now, and 
Dallas is on top with 72 points. Uh, Winnipeg, 71. Pacific Division lead. Vegas, 75. LA, 74. And Edmonton at 72. Like, there really isn't... It's wide open. Right now, things in the West are really wide open right now. Any one of these teams in a playoff spot in the West could go deep. Also, other other official teams that were known as powerhouses are out or struggling. I mentioned Colorado in a wildcard spot. Nashville, out. St. Louis right now, out. So, Western Conference right now is going to be a barroom brawl in terms of who gets the cup final. It'll be fun, though. It will be fun to see what happens there in Western Conference playoffs. <laughs> the Bruins need to be nerfed. Meaning, <laughs> you know, well, what the Bruins are doing right now, that's a well-balanced team. That is a team that has a lot of, that is a team that can cut you in a thousand ways to take you down. Yeah, that is a... That Boston Bruins team is scary, yeah. No, Boston, Carolina, and Toronto. Even Tampa still. Tampa is still a very dangerous club in Eastern Conference. So, Edmonton's got to find a way again. Boston comes here next week. Edmonton has to clean a lot of things up still defensively. Because, again, you're looking at... You cannot waste a seat. You cannot waste uh, production from McDavid, Dreisaitl, Jaime, Nugent Hopkins, and offensively, as a collective, when it comes to player stats, this is the best year for the Oilers since 88-89. I'll say it again. This is the best year offensively for individual player stats, scoring-wise, since 88-89. <laughs> the best year as a collective in over 30 seasons. Make a move, Ken. Make a move. <laughs> like, this is a year. And you know what? I, but I do think that... I do think that this deadline... We won't know what Ken does solidly. I don't think... It's going to come down until March 2nd or 3rd. It's going to come down to the wire. Because we're seeing, we're seeing the posturing, we're seeing the discussions between, we're seeing news that's be coming out from sources, from San Jose's end, from Edmonton's end, when it comes to Carlson and what he would want back. We're seeing, GMs are playing the game right now. Mike Greer is playing the game with Ken Holland. That's to be expected. That's to be expected when you're trying to get back whatever you can for Eric Carlson <coughs> in a deal with Orleans. I don't blame him. But the money retention thing is going to be an issue when it comes to Carlson. And I really feel, I've said before, to make it work in Edmonton, you've got to find a way to get a third team involved. We saw how the Leafs made things work to get Ryan O'Reilly into blue, into Maple colors. Have to get a third team involved. Even though Ken Holland isn't known for maneuvering and, or manipulating anything or getting overly flashy with a splash for a deal. What you got to do. But I know so many people in the chat room, so many people are going to be on March 3rd just looking at their cell phones, pondering when is Carlson or what is Chikrin 
coming into Edmonton because I really don't, as much as we've heard the Oilers are out on Shakran, I don't think, I don't think they're out. I, I really don't think. I think they find a way to get back into it because the ask of Arizona, the ask of Arizona, we look at it again now, isn't that bad. Again, sacrificing with your picks and prospects. Draft pick capital, draft capital right now, I personally feel shouldn't be as important when you want to win right now. Winning in 2027 or winning in 2028 shouldn't be the priority right now when you have not won in how many decades and you've got a market, you've got players who want you to make a move. We know what came out of the room with McDavid and Dries. We know these guys want a puck moving defenseman. It's been asked before. We know what they want. And the longer this team waits, the longer this team waits, somebody else will make that move. Somebody else will make the move to trade for Carlson or trade for Jacob Chikrin. We are seeing, we're seeing teams like Toronto, Boston, New York, get aggressive and not wait for March 2nd or March 1st and March 3rd. Because this is a dog-eat-dog world in the hockey, in sports. We know sports the business. You don't want to be, you don't want to be, it's like a game, it's like you play musical chairs. When the music stops, you better be in a chair. And right now, the music is still playing, and I don't know if Ken will have a chair come 3 p.m. Eastern time on March 3rd, 2023. I really don't know. But I do know it's time to get aggressive and actually show to your your big dog in the roster that winning a cup is important this year and not in a couple of years. I, I tweet out, I put on Twitter, every year you have McDavid dry cell in their primes and you're not committing to going for a Stanley Cup, it's a wasted season. And I get, yes, these guys are in their 20s. These guys aren't even close to 30 yet. But you got to think, at a certain point, these guys could get frustrated when it comes to, hey, I'm in the same spot I was five, six years ago. And being in the locker room, talking to all these guys, when I've talked to Drysdale, McDavid, Hyman, Newton Hopkins, etc., etc., I mean, yes, their accolades, their personal accolades, they, they they appreciate, you know, they like the fact, you know, their stats are going up, they're scoring. But it gets to a point in which, yes, 100-point seasons are nice. They are. 50-goal campaigns, great. They're fun. End of the day, though, what does it really matter if you're not hoisting a Stanley Cup come June or July? They're beyond that now. They're beyond personal accolades, and I don't blame them one bit. I don't blame them. McDavid and Dreisaitl have won MVPs, scoring titles, everything else you can win for a great regular season offensively. They're past that now, and I don't blame them. They want uh, bigger goals. If Holland doesn't do anything, we'll need a group therapy. <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of disgruntled fans if they don't do anything at the trade deadline. They will be very, very disgruntled fans. And I don't blame them. You pay hard-earned money 
you do what you do to support this team, you would want to see some level of reciprocation, some level of, hey, we're going to go for it now. Yeah. But you know one thing though, Mick, you talk about the 80s world event, you know, that's the one thing is that it's tough to it's tough to I'll say as much. The style of hockey was very different. The style of hockey was different in in how offense systems worked back then. And don't get me wrong, Grand Fear back then played great. Grand Fear back then saved this Oilers team. But of course, style of hockey has changed so much in terms of what you do to win a Stanley Cup. And errors change in terms of what you got to do to win a Stanley Cup. No, I agree. Also, I do agree. The clock is ticking on Ken Holland now. The Ken Holland era, if they don't go out and make a splash or don't get back to the Final Four or don't get to a Cup Final, the clock is ticking. The clock on the era of Ken? <clears throat> tick. Tick, tick, tickety, tickety, talk. I mean, how much longer do you give Ken Holland if this team doesn't succeed this year? I've been critical before. I've been critical for a long time with lack of success Holland has had as the Oilers GM. And it just goes to show. Look back at Holland's record in Detroit in the last few seasons. When this team was clearly trending downward. When the Red Wings should have started rebuilding years ago. Remember, they're still tracing. No, 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 we're good, we're good. We're a playoff team. We're a playoff team. We're still good. We're still good. Detroit was trying to keep the playoff record intact of making the postseason. And yeah, Detroit made the postseason year in, year out back in the, in the 2010s. But how far were they going? Detroit was going into the first round. And losing. They were progressing. They weren't really doing anything. And you could argue. Detroit should have started rebuilding. Back in 2012-2013. Instead they held off. Chased the playoffs. And didn't do much. And they were sent back for quite a bit. Now Steve Eisenman is doing a master job right now. Steve Eisenman is turning things around greatly. Detroit wins a fun. The wings are almost there. Detroit is going to be a playoff team, if not this year, because hey, the bottom of the East, the race for those last few wildcard spots are fun right now. I mean, Detroit right now is are tied with Buffalo for the last wildcard spot. They could make it this year. What Steve Eisenman has done to undo those last few years of Holland has been great. The Wings are going to be back on track very soon. It should have really been... It should have really been writing on the wall that Holland is past his prime as a GM. Uh, in terms of... In terms of the nurse contracts, you know, I think, I think that contract is stuck right now. I don't see any team trading. I don't see. I just don't see any any team wanting that on their on their bill. I, I guess you you have to retain some level of money back. You got to retain some money for your trade, Darnell Nurse. Do I think it's going to happen anytime soon? No, I don't. No, I don't. I think 
because I know it's going to be here for quite some time. And personally, I like I like I like Darno quite a bit. I know I do think that he can still be a valuable piece of this team. I've just been saying that you know Darno's overworked. He's overworked and he needs help. He's a guy I want to see in this roster for quite some time. But I said it before, I'll say it again. It is, it would be malpractice to not get him some help on the blue line. What are we doing here? But you know what? Hey, from his end, if you're if if I was offered 9.25, I'm taking that money. There is no way I'm saying no. That's on Holland for giving him that money. And he needs help right now on the back end. Because there are times he's trying to do too much and he gets burned with a bad pass or a bad play in his own end. A solid franchise looks at that and figures out how do we correct it? What do we need to make ourselves better in that aspect? And many people in in the city will not stand for excuses in terms of why they couldn't make it work or why Eric Carlson is better for a deal in the offseason than this year. You don't, you don't have time to go and get Carlson next year. You don't have time. You have to go and get him right now or Jacob Chickering. These are deals that are not... They, neither guy should be a target for the offseason when your window to win right now is this spring and this summer. So, I guess the question would be is that if... I saw it posed earlier. If Holland were to be dismissed uh, this year, the question would be who replaces him as GM going forward next year. I mean, that's the that's debate we'll have on a future episode of Game Over with all of us, with myself, Zach, and Dennis. But that opens up a new question in terms of do you trust Bob Mickelson to hire Ken Holland's replacement? I don't. <laughs> to be quite frank with you, I don't. Uh, other names. I know other names going around. I know um, Cold Perenko. I know Cold Perenko's name keeps coming up as a possible target. Cold Perenko, uh, who, in terms of other guys who are going to come up, we know we know there's been rumblings of Shane Gossbear's name around. Uh, Nick Dukestad has come up in terms of names. So. And I've heard I've heard talk of you know maybe they'll get um, Gosses Bear instead of of Carlson or they'll get Bukestad instead of no it can't be one of those guys instead of a Carlson or instead of a Chikrin uh, Gavrikov I think Gavrikov is I think that ship has sailed I don't buy into the Gavrikov to any team in Canada because Gavrikov has said before. I'm not residing in Canada, so I, I think he's Boston-bound. I think Gavrikov is Boston-bound, and look at that. Would you know it? The rich are going to get richer. The rich are going to get richer if the Boston Bruins do get Vladislav Gavrikov. That's a, that's a franchise that knows what they're doing at trade deadline day. That's a team that it's an arms race right now. It is a battle to get better for this stretch run of the postseason. And Boston showed they want to do it. Vegas getting ready to do it. Vegas! Vegas put Mark Stone on LTIR. You know the Golden Knights 
are going to get ready for a move. And that would be bad news for Edmonton and make things that much harder inside the Western Conference and the Pacific. So we shall see. We shall see. We shall see. Anyways, we're going to wrap things up here on Game Over Edmonton. As always, thank you all for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, and comment here on the SDPN channel. Follow all the Game Over content from coast to coast. I always love coming on here, talking to y'all post-game. It's fun, even though the order did fall today, 6-5 to Columbus. We're back again on Monday night. The boys, Zach and Dennis, to recap, Edmonton playing the Boston Bruins. Anyways, I'm Avery. Follow me on Twitter at AVRY, and I'm gone. Enjoy your Saturday afternoon. Peace. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.